So, welcome to Sickle Teller. It's actually been a very long time since I've taken some time to sit and, I guess, have a podcast about what I'm dealing with on the regular. Um, And I know the whole purpose of Sickle Teller is to express that, but I think a lot of what's been going on lately has been so time-consuming that it hasn't really allowed me the opportunity to stop and fill people in with what's been going on. I mean, I still have so much that I would like to, you know, do with this podcast. There's so much that I would like to touch upon and speak about. But um, unfortunately, if I'm not in the place to do so, then it kind of doesn't really get done. And that's not really... Um, a good or a bad thing. It more or less just kind of speaks to how much sickle cell really does have a stronghold on my life. And I don't want people, I think a lot of times when people hear that, they tend to say like, you're allowing sickle cell to control you or you don't, you know, it's not the only part of your life. You have so many other things that make you up and you're 100% right. But when I'm faced with decisions due to the effects of sickle cell for employment purposes or when I have to, like I discussed on another episode, you know, look into the proper ways to choose health insurance or when it comes down to my interaction with females, mating, dating, having children, then, yeah, unfortunately, I have to say that it plays a huge part in my life and a lot of my decision-making and a lot of my interactions. And I'm sitting here recording this on May 1st, and I make this... um, an important parts of this conversation because today's the first day of mental health day and understanding that I felt like it was kind of important for me to just speak about the contributing factors to why I did this podcast but most importantly the contributing factors to the importance of the mental health aspect of sickle cell anemia now I myself have never gone and seen a therapist, a psychologist, psychiatrist. I have never done. I'm Nigerian. You know, I grew up in America. I'm a black man. So there's so many different reasons why I never thought about therapy. I never thought about um, talking about my problems to other people. I never thought about expressing my problems to other people because it always... You know, we we have a society that does not allow men to feel pain, especially publicly. And I think that's been one of my biggest issues is that I've been trying to fulfill a mold of what a man is in a society that is ever changing. And I am not going to always fit into that mold. And I need to, as a man, accept that, Um, appreciate it and embrace it, because I think that starts to allow the conversation that is truly at hand to be discussed. And it's been, for me, I know, like, it's just been difficult because I just, 
didn't know what being vulnerable would feel like when it comes down to bearing, you know, the inner workings of who you are and, you know, what makes you who you are, especially when it comes to something that people don't know about, like sickle cell. So that was one of the first obstacles that I even had to get across to even have the courage to start podcasting. You know, I came up with the idea um, after my surgery for my hip replacement in 2016. And I just felt like, you know, there was so many people that probably have sickle cell, but have nobody to talk to or so many situations that they've gone through that they can't find somebody that relates to it. And, you know, that was what inspired me to do that. I didn't put my first episode out until late 2018. So it was almost a good two years before I even had the courage to record and to express so much about my personal life. But in doing that, I've slowly started to see how many other people, whether it's men, women, those that have sickle cell, those that don't have sickle cell, those who have children with sickle cell, those who have family members with sickle cell, even those who themselves have sickle cell, have been able to find some sort of importance in what I was saying in the first couple of episodes what the guests that I had were saying in those couple of episodes, but most importantly, the topic and the tone of the conversation in those first couple of, um, excuse me, episodes, it made me realize that I need to dig deeper because the deeper that I can dig, I don't know who else will be able to find joy, relief, uh, clarity, hope, whatever the case is, and you know, just me expressing the trueness of what I've dealt with because of sickle cell, and you know, again, I try like I'm. I'm also trying not to just make this about me. You know, that's why I've you know made sure to include other people's stories, and I'm going to include include other people's stories. In this, I'm going to include other concepts and other, you know, point of views about sickle cell anemia and, you know, what it does to not just the person that is carrying, you know, the ailment, but the people closest to them, the people that they encounter at work, the, you know, hospital. I mean, we've touched on these things, but I would like to dig deeper because I know that there's so much more that can be discussed and there's so much more that can be clarified to people that may not know. And I am taking on the role of not being afraid to expose what it is that I've endured or what I've gone through in hopes to get other people to feel a lot more comfortable in this process of having sickle cell anemia. Um, I think the, the biggest part of the mental health aspect is just truly understanding that you're going to have a, a, a different experience than other people. Um, understanding that you too are dealing with something that is going to alter how you interact with people because it alters how you interact with 
sometimes yourself, you know, the expectations of what you can do, what you are limited to doing, because I'm really trying to take can't out of my vocabulary, what you're limited um, doing, and then what that creates, you know, even from a social standpoint, um, I know myself, like, I have spoken about it prior, but I've lost the love for sports because I couldn't participate. Um, and for some people, it drew them closer. Like my brother, for example, like, you know, he, it just it allowed him to find uh, a little bit more appreciation for something because he did play sports um, in his earlier um, um the earlier years of his life um but it just got difficult as he got older but you know he still was a he still found appreciation for me it's a little different you know i'm the type of person that if i can't interact or participate in the way that i know that i'll be able to enjoy it to the best of my ability i kind of get turned off to it and you know until i can truly enjoy basketball in a way that I would want to and obviously it's not playing but um in the manner I would like to it's kind of hard to watch because you know you kind of see all the things that you were never or you could never truly embrace like it's one thing to be told that you suck at a sport because of your skill set it's another thing to be told that it doesn't matter if you're good or bad. Physically, we're unsure if you'll be able to succeed in this sport. And I believe that actually they even have a football player who um, made it to the NFL with Sickle Cell, which was like something that I was like kind of flabbergasted to hear about. Um, so, you know, maybe again, just by my mentality, it could have been maybe I limited myself maybe his sickle cell is different. I don't know. These are things that I would have to research, but they all are a huge, huge component into how your interaction with other people in social settings are created. Now, to be quite honest, I think that... um, when it comes to socializing from a mental health standpoint, because I kind of want to keep this all in line with that, you know, it is challenging if you're not aware of what you think is normal versus what actually is normal. And for you, it may be normal to get sick when the weather changes but to other people, it may not. So when you may be preparing yourself for a weather change by dressing a certain way and people are maybe alarmed, maybe confused, maybe they even think it's comedic. These are the things that one with sickle cell or those around someone with sickle cell typically is always thinking about is, you know, how do you effectively be a part of society? Because there's always that, excuse me, you don't look like you have sickle cell or you're pretty healthy for a sickler. And, you know, it gives off the 
the idea that there's a look or there's a certain type of sickle cell patient that is obvious to the masses when in all reality most people don't really know what sickle cell is those that have those opinions are typically people that have come across people with sickle cell maybe in a more medical setting or um they may have had a person in their life who had sickle cell and they're basing their opinions off that but to be honest i have seen men and women that have sickle cell that most people wouldn't know that they had sickle cell other people you may feel like oh okay i i could understand but that's not the case with everybody and you know that alone changes a lot when it comes to how you yourself are trying to insert who you are into the world because to have um the the feelings of always having to express or explain what it is you're doing or why it is you're doing it or the thought process behind it because to some people it almost sounds asinine you know it kind of becomes more of a challenge than anything to build uh, relationships in society that don't allow you to feel alienated there are now again I want to make this clear. These are the thoughts of someone who's had sickle cell knowingly for 28 years of their life. Um, And not every interaction that I've had with someone who didn't know about sickle cell or who was being informed about sickle cell gave responses that would be something that would make someone who has sickle cell comfortable. And it's just the truth of the matter, you know, from comments to like, is it contagious or um, so you have a blood disorder, you know, like just the 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 assumptions that people have. It makes it tough to kind of like share something that has so much to do with every single part of who you are and still feel like you're being honest with everybody that you come across now to be. 100% truthful, Um, even from the time I was in elementary school, it kind of was just something that my family allowed to be known uh, in a school setting because we always had to stay hydrated, my brother and I. Um, And, you know, staying hydrated is key to just not being susceptible to a crisis, dehydrating, you know, your blood cells sickling. So, having to be the kid that always had the excuse to go to the water fountain or always had the water bottle in class. As much as it may seem like a privilege, sometimes it becomes a disability in the sense of the expectation of your peers now is that you are excluded because of these things or you may not be able to participate or you might get the upper hand in certain situations because of this thing. Now, does that mean that that's going to change their interaction with you? Not necessarily. But does that mean that you now feel sometimes uncomfortable or awkward because you've been given a special privilege, quote unquote, that everybody else doesn't have? I think so. I mean, I know for myself, there's been times where not that I didn't want the privilege, I just really wanted to 
participate 100% like everybody else could um, and would at those times. But, you know, you, you get over it. You know, you mentally find your your pace, you stick to it, and you, you know, just find a groove. But even now, in 2019, you know, I still feel that it's difficult to be so vulnerable about so many of the things that um, sickle cell plays a part in. Like, as I spoke about employment, you know, uh, one of the delays is that I was in the process of um, bettering my employment. I'll say that. Um, and trying to find a way to situate my schedule so that I can effectively do what I need to do in my personal life, but still contribute as much as possible to every other aspect of my life, whether it's business, whether it's socially, whether it's emotionally, spiritually, whatever the case is. Um, And having to always, you know, keep in mind that sickle cell is a big part of those decisions sometimes makes it a little harder to just pull the trigger on something. You know, there's a lot more research. There's a lot more like guessing or, you know, double checking or making sure that this is the right thing. But, you know, in, in, in doing that, there was a lot of interpretations of things that I needed to justify in my own mind, like how I interpreted what I thought was a healthy quote unquote career or the best employment opportunity for somebody in my position. And, you know, that challenge is only met once you come across it. And it was a lot of back and forth. It was a lot of second guessing. There was a lot of, you know, researching and trying to get people's input and ideas and suggestions about the career path that I was looking to go into and, you know, the the steps that it would take for me to get to the end goal. But at the same time, I was trying to figure out what the what stage or what position I was in as far as the AVN and my shoulders are. Um, I had a hip replacement, like I said, in 2016 for a vascular necrosis in the, um, in the hip. And I was informed last year by my doctor that I had shown signs in both shoulders, which I knew I was, you know, struggling with some things, you know, putting like my jacket on or uh, raising my hand all the way up, even going to the gym, you know, I was starting to have some issues just performing simple tasks in the gym. And once I discussed it with my, um, my doctor, she wanted me to, you know, just make sure that if it is, we're staying on top of whatever 
stage we're at and what we can do to better your situation so that you can live comfortably as opposed to trying to adapt to a pain. Um, So I had to go to an orthopedic surgeon to get an evaluation. Um, The first orthopedic surgeon that I went to was... It was a very blunt explanation of what a shoulder replacement um, entails. And long story short, he pretty much told me that he wouldn't advise me to get a um, shoulder replacement at this stage in my life because I'm still young and it's not bad. But at the same time, once I do get a shoulder replacement, the lifespan of the replacement typically is 10 to 15 years, which because of that makes it extremely difficult to get one at a younger age. And the only reason is because most of the times these joint replacements are made for people that are in, you know, the later phases of their lives when they've had a bone for 50, 60 years and then it breaks or then it, you know, dies or whatever the case is at the age of 32, 33. um, That wasn't really something that is typical. So having to make a decision um, based on the information, which essentially was try to go to physical therapy, hope that it kind of gets better, um, take this medication. And if it doesn't, you may have to look into surgery as opposed to seven to 10 years, maybe in two to three years. If you can, you know, keep everything cordial, then we don't have to worry about doing a surgery for maybe another five to seven years. Um, And it was a tough pill to swallow because coming off a hip surgery, nobody wants to think about what the process of having to go to a, a totally new procedure with a new part of your body that already they're saying is not going to guarantee an easy recovery process or will it be something that will last the remainder of your lifetime? It's not a very comfortable thing to hear. At the same time, I didn't really have too many other options um, because the AVN is already has already begun in my shoulder, so I needed to take that information and utilize it to the best of my ability. Uh, my doctor took the information and she said that, you know, it's relatively accurate. What needs to be done now is to get a second diagnosis, which now goes back to my health insurance. As I was changing jobs, I was pretty much in like a middle place in my health insurance. So I kind of had to wait a little bit to finally get to see um, the orthopedic surgeon that I wanted to see because it wasn't about seeing any orthopedic surgeon. But with the last insurance that I had, I needed a referral to go see the orthopedic surgeon. And that just made the process so much longer than it had. So I spoke about it in another episode, but I, you know, I, I wanted to avoid that. I wanted to be able to. Um, take a recommendation from my doctor to go see a surgeon and to go and see the said surgeon. Um, 
and I was able to do so uh, last week, and it was helpful because the perspective that I got from this doctor allowed me to understand that sickle cell really is not cut and dry. You know, it could be something that somebody sees and like, this is bad. And somebody could see and be like, I've seen worse. And you have to allow the opportunity to understand that this is still something that not everybody has the most accurate, up-to-date, pertinent information about, but there are a lot of changes and there are a lot of studies being done. There's a lot of progression in the field um, across the sickle cell. So there are going to be some things that come across your uh, quote-unquote desk that may actually be more beneficial than you would expect them to be. So that was um, something that I had to figure out while figuring out, you know, how to plan my life out. Because if I'm planning to do a career change or if I'm planning to go deeper into my field and I may have to stop say schooling for maybe a whole year for surgery um it's a tough thing to plan out you know again it's not something that is guaranteed but nobody ever wants to feel like they're not preparing themselves for every single variable and i think that sometimes it becomes challenging for people to actually do so so the mental as the mental health aspect um, has definitely been a large part of everything that's going on in regards to me and sickle cell, and it's one of the reasons, like I said before or earlier, that I'm interested in just sitting down with a therapist because I know that there's clinical definitions for some of the things that I may experience, may go through, may think, uh, may feel, and just to have something to put a name to what your experience is sometimes just makes it a little easier for you to internalize what you can do to um, improve that situation. So that plays a large part in um, that, but also most importantly, you know, and I think a lot of this conversation is important, but starting a family plays a part into, you know, understanding yourself better. And I also know that, you know, in order to parent accordingly, somebody who has sickle cell and is, you know, praying that their children, you know, are 100% healthy in every aspect, you don't want to have any sort of limitations in what you believe your child can do because of what you may or may not have been able to do in your experiences because of your situation. And I don't want to ever feel like I'm limiting an individual because of what I've seen or what I thought I couldn't do or couldn't do. So that's just been a lot of 
the things that have crossed my mind in the last couple of months since I've been able to record this, you know, I mean, it's just been so many other topics, even down to the, so even with my AVN, uh, when I had first seen the first surgeon and the conversation I had with my doctor, she was telling me that there are so many, you know, advancements in the research behind sickle cell to where they're actually saying that there is a cure that is being tested. Um, and that was something that I never thought I'd hear in my entire life. So, yeah, that I'm still kind of like shocked by the concept of it, which is why I don't want to speak about it. Uh, I have a, I would like to do something special to discuss that topic, but um, yeah, it was, you know, it's just to think that sickle cell could not be a part of my day to day is still a very like intriguing thought mentally. Like I have had it for 33 years of my life. I don't know what life is without it. And not to say that I wouldn't want to try it, but you know, with every risk, there is a lot that goes behind it. And, you know, it was just a lot to mentally internalize, you know? So these have been a lot of the topics that have just been floating around in my day-to-day as I've been trying to find time to sit down and just express all that is sickle teller, what's been going on with me, what's been going on around sickle cell, you know, just with other individuals that have sickle cell. Um, I couldn't even stop to do that because I just needed to mentally get myself in a proper place for a lot of the changes and a lot of the things that are scheduled for me in the next couple of years of my life. And I'm blessed. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm blessed because through everything that I discussed, you know, I still am able to have a perspective of appreciation. Um, I know an episode, an episode or two ago, I discussed appreciation. Um, and that was just because a friend of mine was in a really bad car accident. And, you know, he had actually... Um, lost a limb. I don't know if I discussed it in the uh, other episodes, but he had lost a limb, and we were able to speak, and he said that he utilized the mentality in which I have going into my situation as inspiration and courage for him to, you know, push through what he's dealing with, and again, you know, I I have on my limbs, so I could never in my life fathom what he goes through. But G's a strong, strong dude. Like he already sent me a video of him walking with his um with his prosthetic. And I'm super excited for him because, you know, when I went to go visit him and we spoke, you know, I told him that he's gonna be able to do whatever he mentally puts his mind to. And he told me at that moment that he's gonna be able to walk in the next couple of months and that's exactly what he did so you know this is this is just to show like 
everybody's situation is completely different. Like this is this is lupus month. And one of my homegirls has lupus, shout out to Mo. And you know, we speak about just various aspects of what having a chronic illness is. Like we have different experiences, but that doesn't mean that we can't support each other. That doesn't mean that we can't be here to um give some advice, just be a, a shoulder to lean on, an ear to talk to. You know, all of these things are important because at no point were we put on this earth to separate, isolate, or to keep people um, away from the companions of others, unless they choose to. You know, everybody has the right to be alone, but everybody has the right to be included. And I think we need to take more initiative of just being open with each other about our problems, not judging others when they do, and as a collective trying to find a situation that will allow everybody to feel, be, or want to do better in that situation. Um, so, please, if you know anybody that who is um, dealing with lupus during this month of May, stop checking on them, find out a little bit more about what they deal with, what they're going through. Um, you know, you just never know what somebody's day-to-day is in regards to their chronic illness until you kind of just take a deeper look into what that illness may be or what their life may be because of it. Um, It is also Mental Health Awareness Month, so as I am using this as an opportunity to bridge the two for myself, please, it doesn't hurt to look into speaking to somebody, you know. Um, I know in the black community, there isn't always the easiest idea of sitting and talking to a therapist or expressing your problems or telling anybody what goes on in the inner workings of your life. But I don't feel that if you attempt it once, it'll hurt more than not attempting it once. So I would strongly suggest anybody who feels like they could use somebody to talk to, take a therapist. I'm going to do so because, again, I just would like to find out more about myself that I may or may not truly understand from a psychological um, aspect and, you know, see what I can do to just improve my situation the best way possible. As far as everything else goes, I think once we get a better and truer understanding of sickle cell and how as a community we can slowly make sure that this isn't something that plagues us forever we'll learn so much more about it each other to where i think we'll start making breakthroughs about how we can just be better as a community from a holistic health social emotional spiritual standpoint because with sickness it's attached to so many things it's attached to food it's attached to environment, it's attached to 
how comfortable one is, uh, your health regimen, and you know, conversations allow information to be shared, and information allows things to be understood better. And once things get understood better, you start to have changes. And again, this is the entire reason of this pod, was just to slowly create change and inspire more of a detailed conversation behind sickle cell anemia. I mean, I'm so glad to actually be able to have this conversation and share it. It's been a really long time, so I do appreciate it. Um, thank you guys for listening to Sickle Seller, Sickle Teller. Um, we're going to figure out, again, a more concise way to get this information to everyone on a more consistent basis. Again, it's not the easiest because I don't only want to make it about myself. But at the same time, I am realizing that I have to share more of myself so everybody can truly understand why I started this, what it can do for others who have sickle cell and maybe have never had anyone to talk to, and just what it can do for people that are around people that have sickle cell anemia. So thank you very much. Uh, my name is King of Day. This is Sickle Teller. And... I'll see you guys hopefully next week, but if not, sooner rather than later. Peace and blessings.